Thanks for tuning in to Patreon Request on the Let's Get Ready Network, the place for coverage of all the things you love. On this feed, we cover movies, TV, video games, and more. If you're interested in suggesting something for us to talk about, you can do so on our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR underscore network. And please leave a rating and a review of this episode. Enjoy the show, everyone. What is up? What is up, everybody? Wanted to start this because this is a Patreon request video. I uh, wanted to start it off by pulling up our Patreons and giving them a big thank you uh, for allowing us to do the little bit that we're able to do uh, for these shows and stuff like that. And hey, if you're a Patreon, take advantage of this kind of opportunity because Brennan takes advantage of it like every month. <clears throat> and uh, he's going to be here with us with Snark as well. And this is going to be a Star Wars-centric one, Brennan, because uh, this is this past uh, May has been the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. And Brennan wanted to talk about it. And because it's Brennan's pick and Brennan's topic or whatever, I'm going to kind of let him like run the show and ask some of the questions that he w was interested in and wanted to talk about. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. This is exciting today. <laughs> is 40 years to the day of oh, As well as five years to the day of solo of Star Wars stories. Ooh. Nice, and, nice. Um, so what we are gathered here uh, to discuss our five favorite moments from Return of the Jedi. Or our favorite moments. Sometimes it's hard to quantify. Yeah. So I think uh, I'll let you guys go, but let me just get out of the way really quick before I get to my specifics later. Um, the entire Battle of Endor is great, particularly the space stuff. Mm -hmm. Everything in Palpatine's throne room is great. But in order to not be just using those very broad brushes my favorite moments are more specific moments out of those but i wanted to get those out of the way and then uh let me just really quick i've got one runner-up that yeah. let me let me do my runner-up and then i will turn it over to you guys to begin with your number five so my runner-up is story time with C-3PO. And C-3PO is telling the story of their adventures to the Ewoks. It's a very sweet moment. It's got a beautiful um, rendition of the Star Wars theme on like a, a woodwind. Kind of a horn type kind of music. Sounds very, like very nature oriented kind of music. Rithios using all of these tricks with doing cool sound effects. And the baby Ewoks are awfully cute. Yes. As they're listening to the story. It's a sweet moment because that's what Star Wars is in a nutshell. It's a story that you would like tell to your kids. Just like you would if you were to tell them the story of Cinderella. Or Sleeping Beauty or Snow White. It's that kind of story. And this moment uh, captures that essence. So that's my gotcha. runner-up. Uh, any thoughts on that scene? No, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, some people even say that Star Wars is told through the uh, droids itself anyway, and it's kind of cool that in one of the movies, the uh, very last movie of the original trilogy, that the droids are actually telling stories. They're actually telling the stories of everything that's go went on up to this point uh to the little baby ewoks and everybody else that wanted to hear so yeah i think it's actually kind of a cool scene uh to have in the movie yep and it's it's the evolution of c3tail because of a new hope he says i'm not very good at telling stories oh yeah and now that they've gone on these adventures he's good at it so that's my runner up so snark what's your yes. number five <clears throat> Uh, my number five was the first speeder bike chase with Luke mm. and Leia going after the scout troopers. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the first time we got to see the uh, speeder bikes, I remember 
went to when I went to see it the first time. Uh, being so excited and couldn't wait for the speeder bike toys to come out. And I thought the scout troopers looked really cool. They had the new gun that they had and stuff like that was also awesome. So, uh, yeah. And just that going in fast or whatever, and, and getting a first person perspective going through the trees and stuff like that, sort of like Evil Dead almost. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I just really liked the, that scene. Uh, I did like four other parts a little better, but yes, yeah, my number five, the first speeder bike chase. It's a really cool scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, visual effects in this movie, I mean, I guess I should address the elephant in the room. Oh boy. George Lucas did make some significant alterations to this film. Uh, some of which people like, some of which people hate. But when it comes to this scene, the speeder bike scene, or the Battle of Endor, he barely touched it. Because I think he was satisfied with the visual effects that they achieved. Right. And the speeder bike is one of the most incredible uh, action scenes in terms of uh, you know, pre-CGI yeah. uh, special effects scene. Any yep. thoughts there, Justin? No, no. I think it's a good scene, great scene. Uh, it's awesome what they were able to accomplish, you know, back in those days. People can't even imagine back going back to, like, uh, 1983 and thinking about, like, special effects, period. I think they were just called effects then. Yeah, I don't think they were. <laughs> I, think, I don't even think they were called special effects. I think they were just called, uh, you know, effects. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a great scene, and the speeder bikes. That sound, yes, of the speeder bikes is is iconic. And okay, Justin, you're number five. My number five is whenever dumbass Bubba Fett gets like knocked over uh, by a blind man into the uh, Sarlacc pit. You know what I'm saying? Mm, but not. Nah. Yeah. But, but that that's a joke one. I'm gonna go ahead and knock one out of the thing because I don't think it's like it, it became an important scene to me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my top five in one of my top five scenes, like uh, in the beginning of Star Wars, like when I first watched the movie and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It was just kind of like, okay, there's uh, this moment cool whatever but especially since the sequel trilogies and stuff like that have came out and people's had discussions about say luke skywalker in particular the i would say something that wasn't in my top five that now would be in a top five is the scene where luke skywalker and princess leia talk to each other at the ewalt village on one Mm. of the bridges yes at nighttime because yes one of the big issues with The Last Jedi and one of the big issues that I have with people that complain about The Last Jedi in certain ways, some of it is towards Luke Skywalker because they feel like Luke Skywalker couldn't have become this or couldn't have become that. Yeah, he could because we all change over time. Things happen to us. They motivate us or they or demotivate us. They change. Even when we're older, things happen to us that we learn from or that we just think we can't come back from and stuff like that. Right. So like with that being said, one of the things a lot of people would say is like, Oh man, Luke Skywalker wouldn't give up on Kylo. It was, it, it's mainly the scene where you got the three different versions of the story and last Jedi that is told mm-hmm. uh, where Luke Skywalker lights up the saber for a moment and thinks about ending it there. And people say, oh, man, Luke Skywalker wouldn't have done that. I mean, he didn't give up on his dad. He didn't even give up on Darth Vader. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so there's a couple of things with that scene to me. One is, yes, you would. I don't care how good you are, how great you are. But let's say you could tell the future at the time that baby Hitler was in his crib. (laughs) And you knew. Uh Uh-oh. And you knew that the things that Hitler would go on to do is horrible. And like, send all your complaints to let's get ready. Yeah. Millions of lives. Listen, millions of lives get lost and you knew that. Right. And you saw him in the crib. Now, almost everyone out there with a brain, with a heart would not do anything to that baby because they would be like, well, maybe there's something that could be different. Maybe there's something that can change. Story's not told yet. Exactly. The story's technically not told yet. So, you would refrain, right? You wouldn't do it. But there would be a moment where you would be like, man, if I did this, if I 
if I did this, if, if I took him out now, then millions and millions upon millions of lives would be saved, right? Like a lot of people died, like and everything else. And like, because of this one person. Okay. So you have the man, uh, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Luke Skywalker sitting there looking down at Kylo Ren and he has basically like a force vision where he's kind of seeing the path that Kylo Ren could go down. All right. He envisions the terribleness that he had to go through with even his father, right? Like when they blew, you know, they used the Death Star, they blew up a planet, all this other things. And a lot of people's lives were lost because of that, right? He sees that for a moment. And in a moment of weakness, he lights up the saber because he thinks, if I do this now, so many people would be saved, you know? And so that, that moment he thinks about it, mm-hmm. but then he doesn't do it. He doesn't go through with it. He's like us. He, it makes him the last Jedi made Luke Skywalker a better character to me because at that moment he made, they made Luke Skywalker instead of being this, you know, super lucky everything falls in the place for him everything always goes right he's the superhero guy nothing ever goes wrong whatnot he always survives he always gets out of things he blows up the death star he's able to pull a lightsaber out of the snow without even being truly trained to escape from the wampa all these things right like all these things that kind of fell into place for luke skywalker over the films and him being basically like the chosen one, possibly whatever, you know, like just doing whatever uh, to be able to save the galaxy and all this. He in The Last Jedi. He. Like has that moment of weakness, which makes him more human. Now I can relate to Luke Skywalker, I always made fun of Luke Skywalker. This is the reason why the original films was the reason why I was such a big Vader fan. Even though Vader was the bad guy, I could relate to Vader, his loss, you know, the things he was going through and everything else, like his intentions, right? Like I could actually relate to Vader more clearly. And he was just a cooler character. He didn't annoy me like Luke did sometimes during the films. You know what I'm saying? But like the one thing in Return of the Jedi, I actually, even though he didn't creep up higher in my rankings as far as characters go, I started noticing a little bit. Some of that was from return of the Jedi and in return of the Jedi in that scene that I brought up. And the reason why I got on that tangent is because of the fact that a lot of people also, you know, they, they say, Oh, he didn't give up on his father. Well, in this scene, go back and rewatch the scene people. It's been there for years. You've probably seen it a hundred times, but rewatch the scene in the context of you thinking your Luke Skywalker would never give up, say, per se, on Kylo Ren or any of that because he didn't give up on his father. If you go back and look at that scene, he talks to Princess Leia and he tells Leia he's got to go. And she's like, why? He doesn't start that out with, I think I can save my dad. He doesn't start that out with, I think I can turn Vader. That's not what he says. The first thing he says and the first priority on his mind is I've got to do basically a suicide mission. He does not think he's coming back from this. This is him giving himself up for the rest of the crew because he says, I have to go. Uh, Vader knows I'm here and that endangers the mission. So his first priority is not to save Vader, which everyone seems to want to throw out there. It's not to save his father. It's not to save Vader. It's to save his team is to save his family that he's come to know throughout the three films of the trilogy. Right. That's the first thing he says. It's not, Oh, I got to go save Vader. As they talk for a little bit more, a couple of seconds in, maybe a minute or two in, then he brings up that he sensed like strife. He sensed, uh, you know, like this struggle inside Vader of Vader, like possibly having some good in him, right? He sensed that, but it's not a guarantee. He's already, Luke Skywalker at this moment has already given himself up to the suicide mission. He knows, he knows without a shadow of a doubt, when he goes and does what he does and turns himself in, he can't beat Vader and he can't beat Palpatine at the same time. He's not going to be able to do that. And he knows it. He can't beat, he can't win this fight. 
but that's not the point of winning this fight. You know, in this thing, and circling back to Last Jedi, what does Luke Skywalker do? He delays, sacrifices himself in that movie just for the rest of the crew, the rest of these people that are that that he believes are good for the galaxy to survive. In this movie, it comes back because in this movie, Return of the Jedi, that was his plan. He would not make it past this film. That's what the character's plan was. If it wasn't that, he would have started out with the, I'm going to go change Vader because I know I can do it. He doesn't even say it like that. He does. He's not even that sure. But because he put himself in this situation, because the last desperate uh, efforts of saving the galaxy, he goes and he turns himself into Vader. Well, guess what happens when you put yourself in the impossible, right? You start thinking of things that may, may, even if it's a 1% chance, right, may save you. And, and still save the galaxy. You're going to think about everything, right? And that one thing that he has is that slim chance, that 10 percenter, right? That 10 percent chance to turn Vader from being the Vader that he is to, to, to his dad before he became the Vader that we knew in the films, right? He has that, that 10 percent chance. So why not take it? So when he turns himself in, he gets with Vader, his whole purpose is to show Vader everything he does from that moment to the turn in to the, the dialogue that he has with Vader uh, leading up to getting to the emperor. Once they get to the emperor, the choices that he makes is all designed to try and sway Vader. Right. And it almost didn't work. But at that last moment, when Luke Skywalker is about to die, and it's all over with, right? Like Luke Skywalker dies, but guess what? Because he did what he did, he, because of his sacrifice, uh, the rebellion lives on. But in that last moment, Vader does change. Vader does turn in that last moment. Luke Skywalker didn't know he was going to. He hoped, he wished, but he didn't know that that was going to happen. Right? So in that whole grand scheme of things, Luke Skywalker went on a suicide mission, but it turned out good for him this time. And The Last Jedi, he did a suicide mission to make up for his sins of the past, for the bad decisions that he made that led him to ought to, right? That is one of the greatest Jedi stories, Jedi tales, Jedi things that anyone has ever done. Yoda, Obi-Wan, awesome characters. Mace Windu, if you want to throw him in there. All the other guys on the Jedi Council, if you want to throw them in there. All these people, they had some good things to great things. But Luke Skywalker was the greatest Jedi of all time because he saved a galaxy, not just once, but twice. And on the second time, he did it the correct way. And on the first time, he also did it the correct way because he almost, he almost at one point, the emperor almost baits him in to striking him down, right? Because he turns that lightsaber on for a second, but then he tosses it away. Guess what? In The Last Jedi, he tossed that saber away. Guess what? In The Last Jedi, he saved the galaxy again without ever using the saber without ever using the force. That story came back around. And people hate it. Because guess what? In Return of the Jedi, if Luke Skywalker would have died at the end of that film, people would have hated it then too. And the reason why they hate The Last Jedi in some ways is because that story, that would have been an awesome story to tell, a great sacrifice to tell, was told in The Last Jedi. And they never wanted that story to be told. But that's the biggest key. That scene, when he talks to Leia, lets me know on that bridge, in the night, by themselves, lets me know that he did what he did as a suicide mission in hopes 
in hopes of the slimmest margins that maybe there's a chink in the armor of Vader. There's a little chink there. Maybe it works out. But he wasn't expecting it to. There's a difference there. He It wasn't like he's 99% sure he's saving Vader. There's this little slim piece of hope, and his only hope of survival is wrapped into that. That doesn't mean, oh, that Luke Skywalker didn't give up on his father, Darth Vader, so why would he give up on Kylo? He literally was not doing it for that reason. He was doing it for the reason of saving himself because it was his last chance. That's it. But all right, that's a long one. That's that's going to be my longest one, I swear to God. But I had to explain that. I had to point that out because, like I said, that scene's not going to be a favorite scene for a lot of people. It's just two people, a brother and a sister, talking to each other on a bridge, right? And it's that's a, why it's became one of my top five. It's a great scene. And the music there, the Luke and Leia brother sister theme that John Williams creates is an underrated piece of Star Wars music. My favorite part is that was only your fifth favorite scene. Yep. Yeah, the uh, other ones I'm going to keep shorter. I mean, they're obvious. Like, uh, I mean, it, it's there was an explanation scene. for that one that I wanted I like to get out there. It's it a good, good scene, and it's nice to have this moment between these siblings, uh, which ultimately does pay off in many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, Snark, your number five. I did oh, my number five. You already did. Okay, it's my yeah. turn. Yeah. Mine is Luke versus the Rancor. Ooh, very good. Yeah, Jeff has tell us Luke falls down the shaft there and is confronted by the Rancor. Like I said, the visual effects in this movie are extraordinary. And the Rancor is incredible. But it's a hand puppet, but it looks so flawless. And this scene is really neat using some old tiny special effects with, you know, the Gamorrean guard getting eaten. <laughs> yep. A great little moment there. And then Luke killing the Rancor with the door closing on it. The Rancor Keeter getting pretty upset. Um, yep. That dude balling. That, that's one of my yeah. favorite parts about this scene is the, the, the handling uh, crime. And everybody's up there watching Luke fight and they're cheering like, Eden, 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 you know, and, and it's just a great moment and the visual effects are extraordinary. And just the music there, yet again. I mean, John Williams delivers in this movie. And so Luke versus the Rancor. The entire Jabba's Palace sequence is pretty great. Because you have the cornucopia of cool-looking aliens. Mm -hmm. hey. And Jabba might be the greatest puppet of all time, but the moment that stands out to me is Luke versus the Rancor. Uh, and that's my fifth favorite moment. Yeah, two things. Uh, one is, like I said, I love the part where the handler's crying. You know what I'm saying? Like he's upset because this was yeah. like his pet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was like his dog. You know, it's a great big ugly mm -hmm. dog, but it's his dog, right? Like, mm -hmm. and it dies, and uh, he gets very upset about it. I thought that was really cool. They threw that in there. Mm -hmm. Secondly, there's a trap door that leads to the Rancor Pit in Jabba the Hutt's palace. There is a moment right not too long before this or whatever, where the the ladies are doing the dancing and everything. Everybody's mm -hmm. partying. And then Jabba does the thing where he hits like the button and the door opens up and you see like the first people that fall yeah, through the Uba, trap that they're setting Uba, up. Uba falls through, yeah. Uh, yeah, you have to be uh, uh, very careful because like if you pause it at the right moment, there is a possibility you see a Twilight titty. Okay, I'm just telling you. <laughs> I, heard, I heard that somewhere. Yep, that uh, straight up 100% because uh, they, they're, they're not, you know, Clothed in the proper attire, you should say. Do you know this like, from experience, Justin? Uh, <laughs> let's just say I paused it a couple times. I was curious, you know, what's happening. Oh All right, what's uh, Snart Man? What's your number four? Number four, number four was uh, while out on the Dune Sea and approaching mm. what is it? The uh, uh, is it called the Sarlacc or whatever? When yeah. Lando goes over 
and that little tongue thing or whatever goes and grabs him. Just that sound he makes that yeah, sound. Yeah. Is, I I laugh every single time. And then Hans says, uh, 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 hold still. And he says, aren't you blind? He says, I can see a little better or whatever. And he mm-hmm. keeps saying, just a little higher. Just a little higher. Yeah. When, that's my fourth favorite thing. Uh, I'm gonna kick on to that. This is gonna be pretty quick because, like, uh, for my number four is actually uh, that whole like skiff scene, you know, there when they're above Mm -hmm. the sand and everything else, and they got all the little ships next to the bigger one, like the party bars that Jabba the Hutt. That whole scene to me, that whole setup, Mm -hmm. even though it has Luke Skywalker kicking a dude off one of the skiffs like 15 feet away, and it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be a force kick. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't meant to be a force kick, but it was yeah. uh you know now we we retcon it as a force kick after the fact or whatever because of the mess up and the part like I said it's got the bubble fat basically this yeah. guy that became this hero of the people. I don't I never will understand how he became the hero of the people. He looked cool, I get it, but at the same time, he gets knocked out by a dude and, and, and taken down by the to the Starlight pit. By a dude that's like, like you just said, half blind, can't even yeah. see very well. Yeah. yeah, but all them things happening all around, uh, all the different things like Luke getting a Skywalker, uh, getting his uh lightsaber <laughs> because like R2D2 throwing it up. That's yeah, that's my number four as well. Basically, mm-hmm. that whole section, right? It's there. a good sequence, mm-hmm. and Leia getting revenge on Java. Yeah, she had murder in her eyes, strangling him with his own chain. Mm. Yeah, that that battle scene is is marvelous, and the uh, everything about it is great. Um, the explosion at the end is really cool. The um, mm. yeah, Lando, that weird scream that he makes, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, what a great sequence, uh, and just it, it's it's just good old fashioned fun. Mm-hmm. What's your number oh, four, Brennan? Okay, my number four is Father and Son Before the Battle. Oh, yeah. This is the scene when Luke turns himself into Vader. And they have this conversation, which is one of the moments where you see Vader's conflict. And Vader says, you know, it's too late for me. And Luke's like, you know, hey, you know, well, Anakin, that's your name, you know. Mm-hmm. That's who you are and uh, all that stuff. And, and and the whole thing about Vader's like, you know, that name has no meaning for me, no longer has any meaning for me. And talks about, you know, the Emperor will be your new master. He'll show you the way of the Force. It looks like like you're in there. I know it. I believe it. Um, it's a great scene. And the moment that particularly stands out to me is after the stormtroopers take Luke away, Vader just stares off into the distance. Right. And even though you can't see his face, you just see the mask, you know what's in his thoughts. He's thinking that Maybe my son is right about me, which of course later gets paid off. Um, it's it's a moment that doesn't get talked about very much. I think it's a moment that's extremely important because this reveals that Vader does have that conflict inside of him that he just has not quite found the strength to fight back against the evil. But this is like the first step into where it will lead at the end of the movie. So it's a great moment and it's my fourth favorite moment in the movie. All right, Snark, you're back up at number three. Number three. Okay, we're talking Battle of Endor. We're on Endor. Mm-hmm. And things are looking bleak for Han and Leia because here comes this scout walker, guns on him. The hood pops open, out comes Chewie and a couple Ewoks. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. my third favorite scene from Return of the Jedi. 
There's another one that made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Yours is all the comedy days. moments, man. Too dark yeah. with his bad hair day. <laughs> yeah. Too hair in this movie, I tell you. I also like the scenes with the Ewoks and Chewie just in the cockpit getting over there and stuff like that and them trying to touch things. He's just like, get out, get out of here, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is really cool when the, um, the walker walks up to them and Chewie comes out. Yeah. And the same thing happens in The Last Jedi whenever he's in the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. He's got the uh, pores yep. like, coming to float around. Yep. He's like the knocking them out of the way. So the same thing with you all. It's but, really cool because anyway. also speaking of visual effects, you, you look at the ATSTs. Right. And you can't tell that those aren't real. Like yeah. that they did that they didn't really that they weren't really mocking around. Because it's done so well you can't tell the difference. But you, you know, it walks up to them and it looks like it's right there. Those it doesn't feel artificial at all. No. So yeah, they definitely look real. Credit to the ILM team. Oh yeah. But yeah, that is a great moment. My third favorite moment is Luke Skywalker showing up in the black at the job of the Hut Palace and mm, like, oh, yeah. chokes out oh, Bob, for, uh, Bob Fortuna. Yeah, you'll take me to your master now. Yep. And he does, like a, like a force choke kind of thing almost. Mm-hmm. You have to Gamorian and they're there for a minute, it's like, oh, damn. Because you haven't seen any Jedis in black. So I was like, oh, shit. Mm. It's like Luke Skywalker... Did he listen to Darth Vader a little bit from the right. from Empire Strikes Back? Is a little little annoying Luke becoming the bad man? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Shot, that shot when the door opens and you see his silhouette. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool shot. Mm-hmm. But that's my third. Not not anything big to talk about there. But at the same fact, it's like it was cool, like seeing him dressed in the black and everything else. That was like a cool moment in Return of the Jedi. But Brennan, man, what's your number three? I mean, that moment you mentioned is fantastic because there's a mystery to it. Yes. And in the comics, the very first Darth Vader comic of the canon timeline right. opens the exact same way. Java's door open and there is Darth Vader. And so it's a really cool little nice. parallel, but that is a great moment. That's a great movie entrance right there. Mm-hmm. That's a good gotcha. character entrance. So my number three is the the burning of the armor. Oh, okay, yeah, at yeah. At the end of the movie, uh, Vader is Anakin, I should say, has passed away. Luke burns his armor on a funeral fire like they used to do with the Jedi long before. Um, it's a quiet moment. The music, I mean, the force theme just swells. It's, it's, it's a beautiful scene because it's sad and happy and moving all at the same time. And just the shot of the firelight on Luke's face. There's a look on Luke's face of not sadness, but almost a triumphant look knowing that his father in the end made the right choice and it's a beautiful moment with the music with luke the firelight but just seeing the armor as the fire consumes it and then that beautiful panning shot as it pans up the trees right and then you see x-wings launching fireworks up ahead it's a beautiful moment that i think oddly enough filmed at skywalker ranch that was it. As something that I think they filmed later, because it came it came to them as they were making the movie. Oh, cool! Nice. And they should do that scene, and it's a beautiful scene because that is the triumphant end of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, it's beautiful and sad at the same time because uh, yeah, and the end of a great story. Darth Vader did turn. Darth Vader did help him survive and 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 mm-hmm. still be. You know, there with his with his friends and his new family, but it's also sad because like the moment that his dad decided to do that or whatever is, is was his last. Yeah. So you don't they don't get to spend time together, right? They don't get to spend any quality time like hanging out like for a couple of years before 
Vader passes away, like uh, and everything else. So he, he doesn't get he all he does is get that moment and those few moments uh, with his father actually uh, being on his side for a change. So yeah, pretty good moment there. Beautiful moment. Snart number two, Big Daddy. My number two, Wedge Antilles in the core, and he gets to take the first shots to bring down the duster. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the fatal blow, but the one of the big blows. I mean, Dennis, L- Dennis Lawson, great actor. Got, Wedge got to survive all three movies. Yeah. He's kind of he's that is why on uh, Endor. That is why I never understood how Bubba Fett became such this icon when and Wedge Antilles did. Yep. Because Wedge Antilles actually, even though very small amount of time on camera and all this other stuff, but Wedge was very important. He survived the first Death Star run. He, he took out the second Death Star. Yep. I'm like looking at stuff. my I'm looking at my Wedge Antilles Black Series figure right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, Wedge is a great guy, and I and I was glad to hear at Star Wars Celebration. That he's the one who insisted on returning for the Rise of Skywalker. Oh, that's cool. He that's a change of pace because he actually he was one of the guys yeah, that was part he of Star Wars. He did not want to come back to Force Awakens, but he called J.J. Abrams during the making of the the, the the Rise of Skywalker, and he said, "I'm really busy right now, but I want to be in a even just a tiny scene." That's good. Let, let me be in the movie. And JJ's like, okay. So it's really cool. And now I had not got to meet Dennis Lawson, but I would like to meet him if he's at any convention. He is the no, uncle but, of you and McGregor. Right. I knew that too. That was odd. Wedge is one of the best pilots in the galaxy. Yes, but let's is. don't forget that the true hero of all X Wing fighter pilots is Jed Porkins. Okay. <laughs> let's don't forget that man. Yes. Um, and but you're right, uh, Wedge getting to be one of the heroes, it's like gets to destroy the and uh, no, I memorized this mm-hmm. the power regulator of the North Tower, <laughs> he, he gets to destroy it, and that's really neat. And it's cool to get to see him at the end of the movie celebrating with everybody. Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, it's a great moment, it's a triumphant moment for Wedge. Mm-hmm. Hey, Listen, Justin, man. You're number two. Uh, it's not really like a scene, but my second favorite thing about Return of the Jedi is like seeing the full progressive story of, to me, the the real hero of the whole entire franchise, uh, Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the moments that he has in this film's always powerful, just like it was in Empire Strikes Back. You know, you didn't get as much time with him in A New Hope, but he became such a star. You know what I'm saying? Like. Empire Strikes Back, he was a big player. Mm-hmm. In this film, he was a big player. And just that character, that character design, what he looked like, you know, the, the fear that you got just from seeing, you know, uh, a certain person or whatever, right? Like, in, in that way, like the design of his helmet and cape and everything. Or like, even just hearing the breathing. The breathing. Exactly. Like, um, but all of his things that he did, like, but just being able to see, like, they didn't just throw away a bad guy, right? Like you see in a lot of films that me and Snarks talked about here recently and stuff like mm-hmm. that. A lot of times he's bad guys. Like, uh, him was a bad guy they actually spent time on. You got decent time to spend with him. You got to see a story. And he actually had a story that evolved throughout the films. Like, he had this anguish that was going on from the very beginning. And then at the end, you find out that, like, he really does care about his son and stuff like that. Like, and that love for his son overcame the power of the dark side as a whole. He felt hopeless and helpless. There was no returning back from him. He's done things that are terrible. He's helped do things that are terrible. Thousands to millions of people died because of decisions that he either was part of or was helped do and helped uh get done and in the end his love for his son like brought him back from the worst time the worst point you know uh that anybody ever could go down right like he was able to like redeem himself like i didn't really care that he got redeemed by the jedi i didn't really care that he could become a force ghost like me personally as a fan 
but that uh, him in in the darkest times and his darkest moments, like a love, his love for his son was able to overcome that. And that hits me more than it would some other people because I am a, a father who's been raising his son for like 10, 12 years now, like on my own and everything else. And I could have the worst day, the worst time. Uh, I could be having the worst life. My son, I come in the door and like, hey, dad, I love you. How you doing? Whatever. Like he just does something like that, gives me a hug or anything else. And I can come back from any of my worst days. Like I'll literally in those moments forget that those days even exist. And I thought that was really powerful. Like his just overall story arc, what happened, and then how he was able to turn and uh, help out his son, father helping his son. So uh, that would be my number two. Yeah, wonderful. So my number two is, it, it's two scenes that are connected. Ooh, okay. it, it's the, called the I am a Jedi scene. The, it begins with Luke is hiding under the Emperor's throne room. In the dark, Vader's taunting in. Yeah, and says, if you won't turn to the dark side, maybe if I will. Luke fights him, goes kind of nuts on his dad. Cuts his arm off. Yeah, cuts his hand off. Does all this, and Palpatine's like, good, good. Mm. And then he's like, okay, take take your father's place at my side. And what does Luke do? Justin and I have talked about this a few times. Luke looks at his hand, his robot hand, looks at his dad's robot hand. Luke turns off his lightsaber, throws it down, and says, No, I, you won't turn me to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi like my father before me. If you remember in A New Hope, we got what Luke's story is. When he says to Obi-Wan Kenobi, I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. This is the moment where he says, I am a Jedi. Great scene. And then, of course, Palpatine's like, so be it, Jedi. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts away to some of the battle. And then we come back to Palpatine. Electrocutes Luke. Luke's saying, Father, help me. Vader finally makes the right decision. Picks up old Papa Palpatine and throws him down the shaft. Palpatine blows up in this, like... Like, if you look really closely, you almost see, like, evil spirits coming out of it. It's really kind of right, crazy. Yeah. Um, so that whole sequence is my second favorite but particularly the part of Luke throwing down his lightsaber and saying, I am a Jedi. That is my second favorite moment and one of the most incredible moments and in all of Star Wars. That's one of those moments, though, that we go back to some of the stuff I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. You know, people try to say, like, at like Ryan Johnson doesn't pay attention to Star Wars. He does. Because that literally is basically what happens in The Last Jedi. He's at that moment. He's throwing away the saber again, but it's the moment when he threw away the saber that he became the true Jedi. It's not a Jedi. It's not a Jedi with a saber in their hands. They only use that for at the last second, at the last moment when they feel like there's nothing else left available to them to defend justice or to defend themselves. That's it. It's the only time you're supposed to use that. That's it. They're not supposed to be great sword fighters. They're not supposed to be out there battling everybody and killing everything. They get a chance because they're powerful. That's why they're not the Jedi are supposed right. to be, man. And then they, people's got this messed up thing in their head, like where, oh, they got the lightsabers and they're Jedi's and they're supposed to uh, battle all the time and stuff. No, man, that thing's never supposed to come out of its holster, except for training, so that they can defend the galaxy or defend themselves. But that's supposed to be 
if every if they are able to do everything like they're supposed to as a Jedi, they'll never grab that weapon. They'll never grab it if they're doing what they're supposed to. But uh, on top of that, I do want to say that was a heartwarming moment where I said Darth Vader, like. But I do want to point this out that I blame Luke Skywalker. That's why he'll never be my favorite character. <laughs> I blame Luke Skywalker for Vader having to die because he could have him and Vader. Taking Palpatine out, and they could have ruled father and son, the galaxy. <laughs> okay, it's Luke's fault that his dad died. It's Luke's fault that we had to burn Vader's helmet and everything else. It's Luke's fault. Okay, All he had to do was not be selfish. All Luke had to do was not be selfish, man. All he had to do was just go ahead, bam, take Palpatine out. Take Palpatine out. That's why my name right there says Luke should have went to the dark side because if he would have. Father and son tales we would have had after Return of the Jedi. We would have had, you know, old grandpappy, you know, Vader, because Luke probably now done got some, you know, found some lady friend. And because he's not a Jedi, guess what? He's on the dark side. He can have sex. Then we have kids, right? So then you have grandpappy Vader out there. You got kids out there. They could have had a wonderful time together and a wonderful life. But no, Luke Skywalker's got to be selfish. I just wanted to point that out. Unbelievable. Golly. No. <laughs> that being said, that being said, Snart. Number one. Okay. Uh my number one moment from Return of the Jedi. So if you go back, my favorite parts of all the Star Wars movies were all the spaceships and the like the lasers and the fighting and stuff like that. That was always the best. The best toys were always the ships. You couldn't get the ships for the Star Destroyers. And Star Destroyers were my absolute favorite thing ever since the first movie. You see that when uh, the thing that Princess Leia comes on and then that thing chasing it that just takes forever just to come into the screen. You're like, oh, that thing's huge. But the biggest one is Darth Vader's Executioner. And it goes down in this movie just because an A-wing gets hit, goes into a spiral, and takes out the bridge. And I still remember when that thing keeps going down and hits the Death Star and explodes, the entire theater erupting in applause. Listen, I'm telling you right now, if you would have said the Y-Wing, this would have happened. I just want you to know. If you I didn't said, make the movie. If you would have said Y-Wing, it's just, that would have happened to you. I'd have kicked your ass right on out, okay? That's what would have happened. A ship that's never been seen before this movie a pilot that I don't think was ever seen before he went into that spin. Just mm-hmm. It was just innocuous. Just the randomness of it to take out the biggest Star Destroyer in the fleet uh, and have it go down into the Death Star and stuff with, that was his name, Admiral Piet. Is that right? Yeah, Admiral Piet got killed there, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I will, like, it might not be the best scene in the movie, it's my favorite scene because I will always remember all those people clapping when that happens. So that's my favorite scene of Return of the Jedi. It's a great scene. Yeah, Arthur Crinid is the name of the pilot. Oh, there you go. It's almost yeah. like you're a champ at this stuff. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a great moment. Yeah, that is an extraordinary moment. Oh and God. it's cool because uh, Actor. Yes. After he sees that happen, he like sits back in his chair. Breathes a sigh like, of relief almost. Right? Yeah, he sighs yeah. relief. That's a well, great moment. My number one moment. Oh boy. I think I know. And one of the main reason, if not the only reason, that when I like this son of a gun <laughs> up, that it oh, comes oh. out red. Uh oh. It's because of the simple fact that moment when you see Palpatine sitting in his chair and he just slowly turns around and you get to see him truly 100% in the flesh right there in the throne room, right there before crap gets real. That moment. You can even go to the front part of the movie when he finally lands. You can tell that things are different. Like, even though they're wearing full body armor, you could feel, you could see the stormtroopers take a deep breath 
gulp, do that big gulp where they swallow, you know what I'm saying? Real mm-hmm. hard. Cause they know that shit is real because he's here. When you find out in Empire Strikes Back that there's a guy above, I mean, I guess you found out in New Hope, but you really found out in the Empire Strikes Back for real, 100%, that there's a guy that is Vader's boss, and then you get to see him. Mm-hmm. You see him come down, cloaked face, face all mangled and ugly as hell. Mind you, no. the actor was 37 years old. Oh, hell yeah. And you know what? I love <laughs> I love everything. I love everything he did as the emperor, man. Yes. Not going to lie. I love, it was the perfect, everything else was calm and subdued in a lot of ways. You know, they threw jokes here and everything else, but it's more serious. But he was that perfect, like, overactor at the right moment, at Mm -hmm. the right time. Mm -hmm. Right? When Just his lines that you could say, like, you know, you know, in the prequels, unlimited power, you know, yeah. like the when he's looking at Luke and then that moment that he was talking about earlier and uh, Brennan was talking about and it was like, you will die, young Jedi. Oh, yes. You will die. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts electrocuting his ass. There's lightning that comes out of his hands. There's lightning that comes out of his hands. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's badass, dude. Listen, like you don't listen. This is why the movies almost become unbelievable. Because when you realize that there's this guy who can shoot lightning bolts out of his hands, there's no beating that. You have to uh, let your mind overcome disbelief and all everything else to be able to allow yourself that there, there's a chance of hell that Luke Skywalker wins this. Okay. The dude shoots lightning from his hands. There is only one other time that we see lightning. Thunderstorms, right before tornadoes, right during hurricanes, right? Like these miraculous bolts of electricity that flies from the sky out of nowhere. You know, without science, we wouldn't even understand what was happening. Zeus, a fake god, threw lightning bolts through lightning bolts to take care of his enemies and foes. Palpatine. His hands brought forth the lightning. Uh And he wasn't a god. He was a mortal man. (laughs) And let's be honest. Everybody wants to talk about how bad he is, how creepy he is, and everything else. For one... That's Mace Windu's fault that he looks the way he looks, all right? That's right. We saw him. He looked like a normal old man before, okay? Mm-hmm. All right? For one. But for two, he brought peace to most of the galaxy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe in some pockets of the universe, like Kashyyyk or whatever. You know, maybe he had to do some drastic measures. But let's just face it. It was their fault. If they would have just agreed to mine the planet like he wanted them to from the beginning – but he wouldn't have had to like enslave them and everything else. Like there wouldn't if they would have just did what he asked. I mean, come on, you know. And if Alderaan wouldn't harvesting and and and, and abiding rebel rebels, rebels, okay, rebels, basically terrorists, okay. <laughs> if they wasn't out there doing that, he wouldn't have had to take the planet out. I'm just saying that a lot of places out there in the galaxy was safer because of the fact the Emperor took control. And his main thing, the main thing that he was trying to defeat was death, the one thing that we're all afraid of. (laughs) He was the man. He was the man to try to make the hard decision. He was Star Wars' Thanos, right? Some people can't make those tough decisions, but sometimes you got to do the snap. You got to save the planet by doing the snap. You got to save the galaxy from its own fear, but he had to make those tough decisions. You know what I'm saying? He had to delve into the dark we side are, are, further than funny. anybody else had to, okay? And he got in there and he his body was mangled for it. He sacrificed that so that we, other people, normal people in the galaxy, could have possibly had the gift of eternal life and we chastised him and threw him down a hole that <laughs> blew him to smithereens, okay? <laughs> I want the people 
to know. Oh my God. We at the Let's Get that, Ready Network do not support Thatcherism. That Palpatine Mm-mm. was a true hero in the eyes of many men. Because guess what? He was trying to take care of one of our worst fears that we've ever had in our lives. Death. Let's and with that being death, said, like killing everybody. With that being said, and with that speech done, let me light up the red saber Ooh. in honor of the great, the wonderful Emperor Palpatine. The benevolent um, Sheev Palpatine. Well, following that, yeah. It's time for me to give my number one and disavow myself of Justin's opinion. Smart. Well, Smart. no, my opinion is great. So, my number one favorite scene. Mm-hmm. The death of Anakin Skywalker. Ooh. The unmasking. And that moment of Sebastian Shaw, let's give the guy the credit, gives only about 20 lines of dialogue. But it's incredible. Luke gets to see his father. Gets to see his father's face. His father gets to look on him with his own eyes. And we see that inside the armor is this broken man. And what's beautiful, I think, is it makes me cry the older I get, the more I watch that scene. And more than that, we have now seen the entire story of the Anakin Skywalker. The prequels, the Clone Wars, Revels, some of the books. The comics, the original trilogy, we have seen the whole story. Mm-hmm. When we see this man take his last breaths, some wonderful, beautiful lines of dialogue. You know, tell your sister you were right. It's beautiful. This moment to me is sad, beautiful, moving and the culmination of an entire story. And it's really a, a, a tender moment between father and son that reveals really the only thing keeping Darth Vader alive was his hate and his anger. Mm-hmm. Once he let go of that and embraced the light, he knew that that would be the end for him but he wanted in that last moment to look on his son's face not through the eyes of that mask that he'd been forced to wear for many many years but to see his son with his own eyes a beautiful beautiful moment and that is my number one favorite moment in return the Jedi. It's a great moment, great moment, man. And this is kind of getting close to Father's Day. This is almost like a Father's turn into a Father's Day episode. Mm-hmm. I'm being, I'm being a, 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 can't really say single, but a, a father raising his kid on his own at the moment and everything else. And then like you got the synergies there and everything else. And I'm going to tell you guys one thing right now. In the prequels, I'm going to end it on this. Mm. In the prequels. Palpatine was the only one that stepped to the plate to be Anakin's father. Mm. Right? That's what he did. It's true. It's so true. in that case, and there's even, even in the new comic books, even in the new comic books, and even in rewrites that happened back in the day, there was the possibility that Palpatine was going to be Vader, Anakin's father. In some kind of situation, in some I kind remember, of thing. I remember reading about that, yeah. Right? And they changed some of that stuff. So to me, Palpatine is Anakin Skywalker's father. Which I just want to say means that he is all our daddies. Oh my goodness gracious. Thank you, Father Palpatine. And with that, I'd like to thank the Patreons. Thank you, Brennan, for coming on the show today. 
and doing this. This was Brennan's idea. And that's the thing that we're doing. And just wanted to throw that back up there one more time. And just thank you, Snark, as well, for joining in. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And until, and, and until next time, remember what Palpatine said. Who's your daddy? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was going to say stay sexy, but also who's your daddy? <laughs>